Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. How's it going, Matt? Yeah, great, Mark. How are you? Good. So how was your vacation? More vacation-like this week, actually, which was nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> since I've been in the holding pattern, uh, I still have my email open and I'm checking it a couple times a day, that sort of thing. But I can't just like have noon beers because then if I did have to jump on a call with a client, it would be like, oh, can we meet tomorrow? Because <laughs> I know <laughs> timelines are so tight. I don't, I can't get, I'm not day drunk level. So, um, but it's been fun. Like, you know, I, I took care of a few things around the house, getting ready to move, that sort of thing. Um, but it was a lot more relaxing than it was last year. I wasn't just finding things to do, which, so that was nice. And then I had a big flurry of activity, actually, at the end of the week. Uh, I got in touch with one of the consultants that I'm working with, and we're starting to run into a deadline. So there's all of a sudden, there's a flurry of activity. So that's probably going to consume that consume the, the later half of the week, and it's probably going to consume most of this week, too. So I kind of have, it's like a lot of hurry up and wait, that kind of thing. Um, but it'll be nice to have it done. Like, I, I really wish that we got to do the hurry up and wait stuff for the last month because I'd love to just get the stuff off my plate, like, just to call it. I really miss that end of the semester feeling in school when it's just like, oh, yeah, everything before this line is done and we can move on and start fresh from right. here. But it really isn't like that. So, so yeah, uh, managed to get some rela- relaxation in, played some video games, did a little bit of reading. Ever since uh, Dogecoin had its spike, I, I I keep saying to myself like, why am I not more into crypto? Like I'm I love technology, I love this stuff. Like why is this not grasp my attention? And <laughs> it, I keep reminding myself that as soon as there's amazing returns anywhere, the FOMO is super real. <laughs> like yeah, it turns out if something made whatever it was twenty eight thousand percent. Yeah, you probably feel FOMO for that. Granted, it's a coin named after a meme. So, like, <laughs> could you really have foreseen Dogecoin? I, I don't know. I don't want to be too critical of any of these of this stuff because I'm I'm only just starting to understand it. But it's just so bizarre. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm I'm going on a little quest to try to learn a little bit more about things, about things, about cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance and that sort of thing. Um, I've been listening to a few podcasts. All of a sudden, uh, Balaji uh, has been popping up on a bunch of um, Srinivasan, I think is his last name. Uh, he popped okay. up on My First Million. He was on the Tim Ferriss show. And he's quite the figure. I- I've listened to a few of his interviews. And he's like contradicting himself and and uh, and talking like in very like philosophical ways about what is truth and like... Anyway, I, it's been really interesting to, to listen to him speak, but I'm just like, okay, maybe this is the chance for me to like, maybe I'm late to the game, but it's never too late to learn new tricks, I guess, for an old dog to learn new tricks. So I'm just trying to ju- jump in a little bit, learn a little, learn as much as I can without investing significant amounts of money, at least on my side, because I have no speculation dollars. I only have time speculation dollars. So, so I'm playing around, trying to learn a little bit, that kind of thing. Um, part of it was also motivated by um, I got an offer a while ago and the offer still stands. I've been waiting for the consulting stuff to finish up so that I can really focus. But 
uh, ought to work as a freelancer for a friend who has a um, he does some crypto trading in his in his uh, off time, and he has built up a bunch of infrastructure to help him trade, and he's looking for some freelance developers um, to come in and, and help. And we were having a good chat about it, and he was talking about building a back testing model, uh, or sorry, back testing infrastructure to test his models. And we were chatting about it. it. Sounds really cool. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter what the product is, whether it's crypto or not. But there's so much volatility and like interest around crypto and ease of use that he's just like, yeah, you know, we we can do relatively well. Um, it's also just really cool to just kind of see what the future of this is. We were chatting a little bit about what it looks like and what the what the future of cryptocurrency looks like, especially like since I know nothing. It's cool to like talk to somebody who who's really in the game. So yeah, I figured I'd give it a little try, try to learn a little bit more about the technology at least and how an average person interacts with these different blockchains and that kind of thing. Uh, the average person doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> the average person. Yeah, that, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. But that's interesting. I didn't I didn't know that uh, people actually traded. Mm. Like they actually make money from the volatility. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a trader, but like I've heard of things like um, as strategies around buying dips and having like I don't know. The problem was if it were possible, then everyone would do it and it wouldn't yield any money. But like finding patterns and trading on dips and that sort of thing. I mean, the the it's always funny to think about like trading dips and whatever else when like Bitcoin is like ten x in value over two years or I I don't even know what the values are. But yeah. it's just like, would you actually have made more money if you just bought the currency and held it like wouldn't that be easier but i don't know i i don't know how much the i i know a lot of people do this uh, but i i don't know how successful they are yeah like i used to be a very active like stock trader oh really yeah and and yeah you can usually do better than just buy and hold okay. if, if you exclude you know capital gains and mm-hmm. transaction costs like you can often do better especially if if it's a easy trend like bitcoin like is an easy trend right it's it's been upward trend forever Mm -hmm. but yeah it usually will have these these like 10 percent or 15 percent corrections where it dips Mm -hmm. but then it's going to go back up and it's going to break its previous high and yeah so you can though the big problem is always trying to determine what the high is Mm -hmm. right it's easy to buy during the dips but if you want to to sell on the highs and then rebuy on the the next dip. That's uh, that's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess some of these people are they've got some math that they've got relative faith in, and they're willing to put money on the line and make a bet. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's it's interesting at the very least. I mean, technology around this is really cool because the first thing I as soon as he told me about this, I was like, oh wow, this is really neat. I wonder how many other people have built something like this or would have interest in something like this. Because right away, I'm like, oh, we should productize this. And it's like, or we just make some money. That, that'd be all no, right. No, no, exactly. <laughs> That's Yeah, that always feels like a scam. When when someone is selling a strategy or a tool to, mm-hmm. to do day trading, mm-hmm. it almost seems like, well, if your tool is so good, like, why are you selling it? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you have such great insight or such a great tool then why aren't you just using it to profit from it instead of selling it to other people mm. oh i guess like i was kind of seeing it more almost like a robin hood 
like except the idea is like you implement your model and just plug the model into the system and it's like the model or like the system gives you I don't know signals or inputs or something just makes it easy easy as possible for you to like write your own sets of models and, and deploy them and backtest them or whatever um, but I see your, your point is well taken like it, <laughs> it's like do you get disillusioned and think well I'm not making any gains I'll just try to sell the technology and see if anybody else will buy the snake oil exactly it's like they say like those who yeah those who don't do teach yeah those, <laughs> so who, those teach. who can do and those who can't right so if you can't make a profit on trading crypto well then you'll you'll yeah. teach people how to trade crypto exactly so yeah it's either way like the it's it feels like a an area that directly kind of touches my life well i say that I mean, that makes it sound like, oh, I'm like swimming in crypto and I don't know anything about it. But like, no, I mean, it's it's so present in all these tech communities and I've spent like zero time trying to understand it. I mean, I know what a block, I know what the blockchain is and I, I understand its ledger-like properties. Um, but that in and of itself isn't that interesting. I mean, like the, some of the, I've done a little bit of reading around the smart contract stuff and that's really cool. Um I don't really understand its uses yet outside of the chain, but I guess that's the point. But I, I don't know. Like, I need to read more because there's some... Uh, I'm a big fan of, like, financial derivatives in general. Um, when I worked on Wall Street, I, I worked on Wall Street in the back office, and I kind of got a tour of, like, what a financial product is and, and how how they get created and, well, not how... Like, that's the right way to say that. Like, what they what they're meant to provide and how you can use financial instruments to take or not take positions but protect yourself from risk and i'm just like blown away at how clever the, these things are it's amazing but they tend to be so complex and we don't really think about how they can be used that i feel like there's all this unexploited potential like when i worked for upgrade it was all about credit and the idea, whole idea is you have institutional investors who have a they have a big pool of money and a credit risk appetite for certain uh, for certain credit segments, and they're lending money based on their risk portfolio, and that's it. But it's like, oh, how could you take derivatives and create some kind of interesting derivative around a credit around a credit loan or something else, and then turn that into a, a pool that people can borrow from or something else? I, I I don't really have specific examples, but I look at that stuff and I'm like, God, that's so interesting. Like, how can we take these and adapt them for consumer use? Um, and maybe like smart contracts is is kind of a, a small version of that. I'm kind of talking out of my ass because I haven't read enough to be like, oh yes, I can draw a line between the two. But um, it's fascinating in that way. Yeah, I haven't looked into smart contracts. It's uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm doing so, a little bit of reading, but that's true. so yeah, how how are you researching this? Are so reading books or uh, so right now I'm I'm really starting from from the bottom. Of just like okay, what is the blockchain really, and how do you like how do you mine? What are miners really doing, and how do their what does their role look like in this ecosystem? And then, what is the difference between something like Ethereum and Bitcoin, for example? Um, because there are Ether coins, but that it's it, and that's like a side effect of the Ethereum blockchain. So, like trying to understand when you see a coin. You coin A, coin B, or blockchain A, blockchain B. I'm not even really sure yet, like where the value is in each of these systems to be able to compare them. 
So it's like, how is block, how is Bitcoin different from Ethereum? And like, what are the systems that are at play that make them different? So if someone was to fork Bitcoin again, or Ethereum or something, whatever, like, how do you evaluate it? How do you evaluate what's good or positive? Um, Because that's one of the things about, if my understanding is correct, that's one of the things about Dogecoin that's a little weird because it's just like, is it just a fork of Bitcoin? So it's just yet another coin that just kind of exists. I, I don't know. So I'm just trying to understand uh, from the very bottom, like what is it that we're dealing with and how to evaluate each. So and yeah, it's just like, I'm not, I haven't gone to the levels yet of following people on Twitter, but trying to find the most interesting or not the most bottom up voices of, I want to learn this, where do I begin? Okay. So yeah, I'm, I've also been... <laughs> I, I brought him up last time, Chris Hurd, the guy who uh, tweet had a tweet storm about remote work, and I've been interested in thinking more about uh, remote work and just chatting with people and that kind of thing. And yeah, we have a, I have a flurry right now of work around my consulting, but I'm also thinking like <laughs> I'm trying not to be in a rush with all of this, but I can feel myself being pulled in the directions of you need to take some real time away. And the, and the vacation I've had, this the light work, is not the same as vacation. Vacation is purely email off, no contact, no nothing. Um, and part of me is like, well, you want vacation, but your you know, clock is ticking. Like, come on, what's going on? <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm trying to be patient with myself of just saying, no, vacation is owed. And I'd like to talk to more people. I need to get on the phone with more developers anyway. That's something that I'm interested in doing in general. So maybe I'll try to book some calls for this week. And hopefully, I'm really hoping by the end of this week, that one big consulting client is, is complete at the very at the at very latest mid next week. Otherwise, we're going to run into our deadline and we're going to be kind of screwed. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just starting to set up calls with developers, calls with people, and just having some fun conversations and, and chatting with people about their problems. So I, yeah, I feel like I'm being pulled in all these different directions. Because it's like, oh, I'm reading about cryptocurrency, but it's more for fun, like, I don't know anybody in the space. I don't really know anybody except for my one friend who offered me work. I don't really know anybody else who's in the space. So, you know, it's really just learning for fun, reading about this for fun, not with any projects in mind. Yeah, that is vacation. (laughs) I don't know. I'm a very curious person. So, I mean, that's that's how I like to spend my free time is Mm. exploring things and digging deeper. Yeah, I guess my problem right now is I'm like, if I'm not completely... it's like, what would the difference between my vacation, 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 and a light week be? And it's like, my email inbox is, is closed. That's the only difference. Like, the tab isn't even open. I can't check it. And I've set up an okay. autoresponder. And yeah, like, it, it doesn't feel quite as restful if I'm, if I kind of have to, like, somewhat pay attention to the things that are going on. No, I agree. If you have to limit your daytime drinking, that, that's then it's not, not vacation. vacation. That I'm gonna get no. that on a. Ta- I'm gonna tattoo that self that on, my, on myself. <laughs> if I if I can't have noon beer, it's not vacation. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that was really my last week. It's it's been very existential on <laughs> on uh, on my side. Doing a lot of like trying to read, go on walks, think about things, and not get too stressed out, but also be responsive to the clients I have. I don't know. What was your week like? Anything fun? Yeah, I mean, I did. Uh, this was a big support week. Mm. So, like, for some reason, my support comes in these waves. Like, these a new wave of customers come in, and then they need more support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, last week, there was a wave of them. And uh, 
I'm and I'm also still doing things that don't scale. So so like for one person, he was migrating his data to into Airtable so then he could use Power and Porter. But then there were some fields that he couldn't get into Airtable. So I said, Oh, you know what, just send me your data and I'll just write a script that uses the API to do it for you. Mm. So yeah, so like that kind of thing it's it's kind of it's kind of fun like i love hacking anyways but obviously it doesn't scale like it doesn't make sense to to do that when i only charge 29 bucks a month right you know this is basically consulting work that people would pay would pay for sure but uh you know it's fun and it it uh it strengthens these relationships that i have with some of these people in the community so yeah, it's a ton of goodwill. Yeah. So yeah, so that was a big support week and otherwise I'm still I'm still like flip-flopping between writing my own affiliate logic or using something like Get Rewardful. Yeah. So actually Get Rewardful emailed me yesterday saying your your free trial is up, you know, but uh, do, do you want to extend it? And we see that you you didn't integrate it yet. Yeah. So which is 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 a tactic that I've heard about where you offer a free trial and then at the end you just extend it mm-hmm. and you probably do it indefinitely. Yeah. You know, until the customer actually integrates it, there's no like they, they haven't seen the value yet. So exactly. Yeah. No, you may as well just extend the free trial forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I took them up on the offer, said yes. So I think I think I'm just gonna go with with that as an affiliate. Okay. It you know, it's like it it doesn't match exactly the kind of affiliate program I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like their affiliate program is really is really attached to the the new customers that were referred to you. Okay. But I wanted to attach it more on like I almost want to share the affiliates for one new customer because each customer can have multiple subscriptions. Mm-hmm. So there was it's all the way that how these subscriptions are being created mm-hmm. that the context on by which people are being referred but it seems too complicated and I might as well just go with the simple solution it's like new customer new affiliate that's it right how does get we talked about this a little bit before about how get rewardful tracks the person who lands on the site in order to correlate that with with a uh, like a a conversion, I guess, like with a payment. How does Rewardful do that? Do you have to send a, I guess, on on successful payment? Do you send a message to Rewardful, like a, an event, to say, oh, this conver- conversion approved, or how does it work exactly? So you have a Rewardful script on all your pages. Yeah. So when a new visitor comes with an affiliate ID in the URL, mm-hmm. it will set a cookie, and then when you do the checkout. So when the that customer will eventually pay for it, mm-hmm. then you you just set a, I think it's called a client reference ID in Stripe. Okay. So it's a it's like a generic field that you can set. Okay. In Stripe to identify someone or like where they came from. So maybe the 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 shopping cart, you know, or the order number or whatever you want to track. Any attribute. Any so any ID. Yeah. So in this case, you you set this rewardful ID. Okay. And then, yeah, I think after that, rewardful just uses the Stripe integration API to, to 
to read your data and to re- generate these reports and I see and do the, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it's going to be easy enough mm. is uh, do you think it's a big pro- like I know it's not exactly what you wanted but do you think it'll be a big blocker um, being not as complex not fitting your use case exactly the way that you wanted I I mean I am worried that because this new partnership that I'm working on mm. I'm afraid that uh, eventually he's going to be referring me like new business mm. but that for existing customers and maybe those existing customers were referred to me by someone else so he's not going to get any revenue from from that traffic I see so so I think at first it's it's not going to matter like the first few months there, there are no other affiliates so mm. he will all the traffic he sends me will go to him right but eventually when i offer other people another affiliate program for sending traffic to me then it's possible that when he sends me new customers they're already accounted for by another affiliate mm. so maybe in the long run like you know he's not going to see as much of a return f- for his efforts but you know when if that becomes a problem then i'll, f- I'll find a solution then yeah because maybe it's not even a problem. Maybe it's this this partnership is is only going to attract people who don't have uh, power importer accounts. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, are you going to pay for, or are you going to pay out for new customers or for new flows? So it's for it's a, a percentage of all revenue coming from one customer. Okay. So that customer might have one flow, or they might have multiple. Okay. Okay, so, great. And I ch- I charge per webflow site. Yeah. So, you know, so if they're like an agency and they have lots of webflow sites, well then all th- all that revenue will go to them. Okay. Cool. So, I think yeah, I think that's going to be the simplest solution. So, my goal is to get that finished this week because mm-hmm. already I think he's finished the work that he had to do. Okay. So, I think we might be able to launch something really soon. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so I think I'm the, I'm the bottleneck now. I got to get this affiliate <laughs> code done. Right. And uh, yeah, and once it's all done, then I'll be able to talk more openly about it. It's sure. very cryptic right now. But yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Other than that, I I took it easy during the, during the weekend. Like mm. I didn't I didn't work much. Cool. Just replied to a few emails, but otherwise, I reread the mom test. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, it, it's such a short read. <laughs> it's like, super short. Yeah, like I could have done it all in one day, but in the end, I I did it in two afternoons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, I, I can sort of summarize the book more easily now because yeah. I've reread it. It's just in case no one has, someone hasn't read it and they're curious, but. So, I mean, the premise is that like you should you should talk to people like we all know that but uh the premise is that most people will lie to you <laughs> yeah and like the and, and the most common you know like advice is don't ask your mom about your business idea right it's like it's the worst person to ask like she's just going to lie to you she's going to say oh that's a great idea honey you should do that wow or i would totally use that so that you know the common advice is don't ask your mom f- for for feedback on your business idea. Mm-hmm. But he, the author here, like Rob Fitz, kind of like flips that 
and says, no, no, you, you can ask your mom, but you need to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So knowing that she's going to lie to you, you need to ask questions where she's not going to lie about the answers. Mm-hmm. And how you do that is you don't talk about your idea. You talk about like past experiences. You're, you're looking for concrete actions that she's taken in the past. Mm-hmm. So let's say your the example in the book is you know you have this idea for for a recipe book that works on the iPad. So instead of asking your mom like hey would you know would you use a recipe book on your iPad where where she would say oh yeah that's a great idea for sure. <laughs> instead you you know you would ask well you know when's the last time you bought a recipe book? Um so then you might find out that no she's never actually bought one. But uh, but she's been given given some by by friends as a gift, so you know so th- so then that answer kind of g- points you in a different direction. Well, maybe maybe I should be talking to people who give recipe books, right? Mm-hmm. So may- or maybe I could even ask her who's the last person that gave you a recipe book, and then go talk to that person instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like why why did you give a recipe book, and how did you get the idea for this recipe book, and, mm-hmm. and then you probably want to ask you know have you ever given an app as a gift so but yeah but then going back to your mom like other questions you could be asking or well what's the last app that you bought right because if your recipe app is an app for the ipad well what's another example of when she bought something and then you know you might find out that she's never actually bought anything (laughs) Or if she bought something, well, then, like, how did she discover this app? Was she just browsing the app store? Is this something she does? Like, and in the book, you know, his example is that, that well, no, she she actually heard about the app while reading the newspaper. Yeah. So, like, you know, so that reveals, like, wow, like, so maybe advertising the app in the app store is not the right way to, to go about it, right? Maybe you need to use conventional PR and publicize it in magazines or newspapers. But yeah, it's, so it's always about talking about concrete examples from the present or past. Mm-hmm. And then it's less likely, especially if you haven't even told the person about your business idea, yeah. it's less likely that they're going to lie about it because mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't feel like an interview. It feels like a normal conversation. Yeah. So that's, like, that's the first part of the book is to talk about actions instead of opinions. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is is how to progress the conversation to to get a commitment out of the person. Mm. So the commitment can be time or money or reputation. So, you know, asking them to re- refer someone else or asking them, well, I mean, asking them for their time to talk is shows that there is value in in this idea. But if you can get them to afterwards to recommend someone else to talk to then you know they're putting their reputation along the line so but the fact that they were willing to do it means that you're you're onto something like it's because they could say that's a great idea and all that but then if they won't recommend anyone to talk to Mm. then again it's action over words it's well if they're not willing to make any commitment or or risk anything then maybe they don't actually think the idea is good yeah so yeah, so that's I mean that's the gist of it. Like it's a pretty simple concept. He, he shows good examples. So it was a it was a great reread. I'm glad I reread it. And then, then 
Saturday I was at the dog park and I was just chatting with with someone okay that you know someone I know that I've seen at the dog park several times mm-hmm. and I suck at small talk so I was like hey I'll, I'm just gonna do the mom test on this guy <laughs> so so he he actually runs a, a dog walking business now oh cool so I was like I just I mean I, I really wasn't looking for anything I mean it's, it's so it wasn't a true mom test mm. but I was just like let's just explore like if I can find any interesting ideas and then dig deep dig deeper into them mm. so I just asked him like what else he does besides dog walking and surprisingly he says oh I'm actually building an app with my brothers <laughs> I was gonna say oh he's a web flow designer <laughs> oh shit no way <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> No, it wasn't that <laughs> not that lucky. Uh, so yeah, he's designing an app for with his brothers. Like he has this great app idea. So then I was like, oh, you know, like you know, tell me more. And it's like, oh, it's it's really secretive right now. We're not telling anyone about it. Mm. So then, like, oh no, <laughs> is this guy not talking to anyone? Yeah. So it's, so all he says is it's like it's like a social network for dog owners. You know, okay, right? Um, but he won't. He he really. It's super secretive. He won't share anything. Okay. So say, so then I dig deeper. Like, oh well, like so. Are any of you developers? So like, no, they're not. They hired uh, an Indian company to to make the app. Okay. So then I was like, oh, how did you find them? You know, like I was wondering. I was just curious. Like, yeah. Did they go on Upwork or Fiverr or so? So it turns out he just Googled like to try to find a company hmm. and found a site. He doesn't even know he doesn't even remember what the name of the site was, but it, it had reviews of of like Indian dev firms. Okay. And they talked to maybe ten of them and they hired one. Huh. And they've been working on it for months. Oh wow. And yeah, but it's super secretive. He's not talking to anyone. <laughs> I was asking, like, you know, like I've, have you tested it? Have you talked to anyone? Like, hmm. and it's no, it's, it's uh, your typical mistake. Like, no, he's they're keeping it secret. They think the idea is so good that they don't want to talk to anyone about it, and they're spending all this money on oh. months of development. It's still not ready. It's it's there's another month or two of dev to that be they, done. that they know of. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and you know, like, and I'm trying to recall. Did, did he ever ask me about, you know, because I'm a dog owner yeah. and I have a phone. <laughs> did he, you know, and all the times we've talked in the past, did he ever interview me? And no, like I can't mm-hmm. recall ever him asking me any questions about, you know, which social networks I'm part of. Or, mm-hmm. So so I really don't know what kind of research he's done. I think he's really just scratching his own itch. Sure. And he thinks this is an amazing idea. That, Interesting. And I also tried to probe him on how he's going to, like what distribution channels he's going to use yeah. or how he's going to, and he, he had no idea. Okay. Like he, he still, he hadn't tested that either or okay. didn't know. I just wanted to shake him and say, talk to people. <laughs> We've, yeah, oh man, yeah. Cause you like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not successful. I know what my dad, I know the mistakes that I've made. And it's like, how do you say something like that without being patronizing? Of just like, hey man, right. like I know you got this, like you, you can do it. But like, 
I've done something like this before, and the one mistake, the big mistake that I make and everybody else in these communities make is they don't talk to the people that they're trying to court. It's like, you probably want to do that. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Especially spending money on it like that. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, none of them are developers, right? So, Mm. I mean, that's what I was really curious about when I was digging deeper. Like, you know, how do you find, how do you hire a a dev team if you know nothing about development? Mm-hmm. Like how, you know, so he looked at reviews and they told him that it's a medium to hard app that, they, that he's trying to build. So they they do charge a fixed rate at least. Okay. So I don't think there's going to be any overrun mm-hmm. costs. Right. I think. I don't know. Mm. But uh, it's like, wow. That was, uh, I'm so lucky to be a developer. Yeah, <laughs> man, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, how do you do that? How do you hire perfect strangers on the other side of the globe? That would be, I would love to talk to somebody who has done that successfully or, well, yeah, I guess successfully or maybe failed and done it. Like, I just, it, yeah, like, I, oh my God, I, I guess my problem, like, I don't know how to hire anyone or like, well, maybe that's a good example. Like, it's, I guess it's a question you can ask yourself. Like, let's say you were going to hire somebody to build you a car from scratch, like, how would you go about doing that? How do you find the right person? Do you find someone who builds cars or do you find like, I just, like, this yeah, is yeah. like such that's an impossibly a, huge problem. Like, <laughs> that's a good example. That's a really good example. Yeah. Cause yeah, I know nothing about cars. You use them, use them all the time, but you don't necessarily yeah. know about them. Oh, man. Asking someone to build one from scratch. I, uh, I, I met someone through founders club who was a no coder. And he wanted to start a no-code... Well, he had started a no-code agency. And one of the things we were talking about was... Or one of the the pains he was expressing was... Now that no-code agencies are becoming more prevalent... And people are billing themselves as no-code agencies... How do you differentiate them? How do you know... Oh, this one is good versus this one is bad? How do you, as a... As an individual, vet the vet the agency that you're going to be working with, or that you're interested in working with, because it's very much along the same problem. Like, I bring you a problem. How do I know that what you what you're telling me is good or right or neither? Right. You're just telling me what I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's no difference between a no code agency and a code agency. It's the same same problem. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, unless you know, you've built stuff in no code, so you know exactly mm-hmm. which tools you want to be using. And then you, when they quote you something, you, you can at least have an idea. Like, like yeah, that, that, seems, that seems right. Like the, the amount of hours you're estimating seems right. Mm-hmm. And then you're willing to pay it. Yeah, because even then, I think about like a typical consulting company. And it's like, you normally, if you're really serious, then you're going to come in and you're going to do an exploratory meeting probably as part of your intake that you'll pay for. And if you go with that company, then that money will be bundled into your overall uh, invoice at the end or whatever. It'll be rolled into the cost of creating the product. And like maybe the, the reality there is you kind of need to do this with a bunch of different agencies. I guess that's the power of a referral, man. Like, somebody's yeah. done it they've they've got this referral in their pocket and that's worth a lot to the people who have who are being referred i mean i think that's yeah any agency work is all about that it's all about referrals mm. so at first you gotta charge less to build up a history and then you can start charging more and 
because you have referrals and there's a there's a guy it's fun. yeah yeah it's it's funny because this was my idea before power importer what uh, my idea was to to like start a no code agency mm-hmm. to like to build to build people's projects with no code mm-hmm. so then because because my friend was having all these questions like how do i build this i mean which which tool do i use and then like what's even possible with that tool mm-hmm. he was worried about am i gonna structure my cms correctly so i was thinking well he's you know he's a perfect example of all the problems with building stuff with no code maybe there's you know a market for building it for someone you build their mvp so then at least they, they have like a the peace of mind that it's been built correctly and then they'll be able to make it evolve themselves mm. because it's made out of no code right so so that's that was my original idea and i was thinking you know i'm gonna do it for free for my friend so just to so i have an example and i can encounter what the problems are and then that's when I started encountering all these problems with <laughs> Webflow CMS. And then I pivoted. I said, okay, yeah. Because I knew one of the problems was like being a no-code agency. Then it's just a game of, you know, having to find clients all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you're just converting your time to money. And that's never really what I what I want to be doing. Yeah. So yeah, immediately I found a problem that needed to be solved. And then I just pivoted to that. Right. I guess that's the, I mean, that's the problem with the whole space is like, there's so many tools now and they fit together in such interesting ways. It's like, how do you find one problem and just solve it extremely well? Oh, man, consulting work does not sound fun. <laughs> no. Yeah, the, oh, man, I'm, mm-hmm. oh, God, I, I, I'm thinking about being asked the question, how much longer is this going to take on a daily basis? <laughs> just like, oh my God. <laughs> right, Exactly. I don't know if it's marginally better than having a full-time job. <laughs> I mean, I guess you charge a little bit more. You, But, I mean, you still get stuck doing jobs that you don't like. And you're still turning your... You know, exchanging your time for money. Yeah. So when you take a vacation, you make zero revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about clients that would... Because I get it, like you're you're a business, and you're you're you could be shelling out a lot of money for for development hours, and you really want it, and you're spending the money because the outcomes are very strong for you, and you want to know that, that your money is being spent correctly, and that you're going to get your results on time. I don't care how good of a craftsman you are; <laughs> like I want my stuff right. done on time, and I want it to work. Well, I mean, going back to your car analogy, like everyone when they go to the mechanic always feel like they're being they're being screwed oh yeah yeah right everyone feels like nah, do i really need this repair do, is this really the going rate for this repair for this piece you always feel like you're getting screwed it must must feel the same thing when you're when you know nothing about dev and you're hiring someone to do it for you mm. it must feel the same yeah I wonder if that's, I mean, I don't have an audience for something like this, but I wonder if that's, uh, if that actually could be a fix. It's like, actually, what you need to do is hire Matt as a consultant to come in and hold your hand through fine, through going through all of these. Like you need an ad, you need an outside advocate who can help you navigate the, the waters of, of um, how to decide who to go with to build your project and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It must exist, but that makes sense. Like if you can pay someone 
a fixed rate, first of all. So like there's no there's no incentive to like drag things on mm-hmm. or to to try to get more money out of you. Mm-hmm. Like it's really it's it's a fixed rate. I'm gonna be your product manager for this for this product you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I'll I'll be the bridge between the, the dev team and, and you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I can I can call the dev team on their bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm so glad I'm a developer. <laughs> yeah. But, so what are your plans for next week? Yeah, so this week I'm spending time... I'm, I'm hoping to finish up... Uh, by the end of the week, I'm really hoping that I'll have my biggest client out of the way for their shred stuff. Uh, at the very latest, I think Wednesday of next week will be the end. Otherwise, we're going to be running into problems. Um and really this week is going to be a lot of hurry up and wait just kind of getting making sure that they have what they need we have like a bunch of small meetings scheduled so we'll meet for an hour we'll go over a bunch of things they'll have some questions i'll go away i need to dig up the answers and then we need to meet again about the next project and i need to update them on what was done so on i guess really that's only 2019 we still have to do 2020 but 2020 is about the same and all the work i've needed needed to do has all been done so really it's just a uh, it's just a continuation of the same thing so really, in this, you know, in the next two weeks, it's going, my 100% of my focus is really spent on uh, just getting these people their, what they need and getting these things out the door. And as soon as that gets done, then I'm, uh, I'm going to take away, a, I'm going to take a real, real vacation, stepping away from the computer. Um, and then it's, it's kind of digging more into doing interviews with people, talking with more developers, talking again with my, getting in bed with my people, uh, trying to understand okay. like what people are doing and... I mean, right now, I'm, I, remote work seems like a really interesting thing. So talking with more people about remote work. Um, yeah, just talking to developers again. Talking about pains. Talking about what they're, what they're dealing with. So you really can't start that this week? So uh, I've been trying to figure out if that's something I want to tackle this week. I'm a little bit scared to start booking meetings because the because of the nature of the randomness of the, of the consulting work. I'm a little afraid to start pumping up my calendar full of things but you're right like i probably i mean there's no reason why i couldn't slot in one conversation or two conversations right. a week um i'm just a little afraid to like yeah like i said just uh, lower my availability for these other consultants that i really need to be meeting with but i can always move stuff around like there's no reason to not talk to people yeah it seems it seems crazy that they they mon- they're gonna monopolize your whole week just like just in case yeah they need to talk to you yeah i'm really i'm the one that's doing that like i'm letting them monopolize my week right um just because i want this done so badly but there's no reason why i can't yeah this is my stupid uh, yeah i'm glad you called me on this this is my one thing at a time um frame of mind coming in where it's like there's no reason to do things one at a time like you're you're not doing anything like just call people well, that's it, because, I mean, it, it does sound a bit like an excuse. Like, yeah, it does. You know, oh, yeah, I need to be on call, and, you know, like... And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand. Like, this stuff does occupy your mental energy, and mm. you you want to give yourself permission to not do anything else. Mm. But, I mean, you you say you like talking to developers, so it's actually something you enjoy. Like, yeah. why not just book two, three calls this week? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't have a good reason. I think that's something I need to do. Yeah, because even the types of conversations I had in mind are just like, 
I can have them over lunch. Like they're really just, yeah. they're re- it's, it's really chill. <laughs> there's no reason. Exactly. To, uh, there's no reason to treat and it the, like it's a big thing. Yeah. And there's nothing that's going to prevent you from taking a vacation after yeah, absolutely. the consulting work is done. Like, you know, these calls are, they're, they're not going to require, oh, if I do this call, then it's going to generate this much more work that I have to do. It, yeah. That's very it's true. It's like, no. It's like you, yeah, you might follow up with them in a month or two, but that's not going to prevent you from taking a vacation. Yeah, totally, totally. And that's that's a question we, we you had asked, I think, a while ago was, how many people do you need to talk to? Yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah. 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 And the mom test actually clarified that. I, I had forgotten that he clarifies that. It, he, he believes it fewer than you think is what he believes. Does he say something like, until you start to not get any new information? Yeah. Is that what he says? Yeah. But like, he puts a lot of value in, in just answering one question. So like, if you're like, one question was, you know, how, like, what's going to be the right channel to, to sell my, my recipe book for iPads. Mm -hmm. And then just that one interview where, you know, he finds out that his mom actually got, Last time she bought an app is because she found the idea by reading the newspaper. Mm. Like that might be enough to like, okay, like let's let's go in that direction now. So now the next interview is going to be different questions that you're asking, but that last answer allowed you to decide who you're going to go talk to next. Like it's really like he he actually clearly says like you shouldn't you shouldn't talk to people for like two months and not work on the product. Mm. Okay. Like he, you know, I think he, I think he mentions like ten people. Like maybe talk to ten people, and then go back to working on the product. So then you can go talk to ten more people when you have something that you can show. But it's always about you should have like three questions or risks that you're trying to to validate. Right. And all you need is just an answer, like a credible answer to them. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's my problem right now is I don't have uh, I don't have a question to ask. I, well, I mean, my question is very broad. Just like, how are you as a as as a developer? How are you handling remote work? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he would say you need to segment your developers a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like that might be too vague. Like developers and remote work. Mm-hmm. Is it developers working at startups? Mm-hmm. Is it developers working for banks? Like big complex systems, or right. maybe even the stack that they're using might make a difference. You know, are they mainframe developers, or are they, <laughs> or are they React developers? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because I mean, if I'm interviewing people in my immediate, um, in my in my immediate network and that sort of thing, then I can definitely s- I can say, oh yeah, startups, Java, things like that. I can yeah. I can segment it down a little bit more. I mean, the first your first talk could be completely open like you have no no direction yeah just because hopefully while di- when you're digging deeper you're gonna identify something that's worth exploring yeah doing so things. then you'll yeah so then for the next talk you'll have three questions that you're trying to get answers to mm. okay yeah i guess that's you know i i think that's part of my fear with all of this i'm realizing just as you're saying it like i'm rudderless and the feeling of being rudderless makes me scared to commit to anything 
even though that's not what this is, this is not commitment. This is exploration. I'm, I'm getting caught up in that feeling of um, anything that I'm doing that doesn't have a clear end, that doesn't have a clear destination, is uh, there's just so much uncertainty that I automatically start to get a little scared. So it's like, oh, but if I have this conversation, that means I need to know A, which means I need to know B, which means, oh, I have to have done all this work and built the thing already and blah, 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 blah. Like it's, yeah, it's that uh, domino effect. So do you have absolutely no idea what what you're building? Or do you have like sort of maybe three three seedlings of, of an idea? I would, I think it's fair to say like I have like one seedling, but- okay. That's really it. That's re- yeah. I I don't, and even that I don't I don't know about. Like I I don't I don't know that I have strong convictions about it. So like I think for all intents and purposes, you you can say I'm 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 totally open and I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Well, I mean that seedling. Can you think of like three questions that need to be answered? Yeah. In order to know. Yeah. That might be enough to to start, mm. and then from that first talk, you might have a better idea of like what's the segment or mm. or there's new questions now because those haven't been answered mm. yeah okay that's i understand how i feel now i'm just realizing that it's been so long since i've spoken to anyone other than you that i am completely directionless and even my seedling i'm like afraid to get out there basically like yeah i'm just I've, it's uh yeah I'm, I'm just so rudderless that i've been afraid to talk to people and it's Right. Everything is just stemming from fear, I think. All the feelings I have around, well, should I talk to this person or not? Or is this idea good or whatever? None of that really matters. It, none of it really matters at all. It's just, I'm hiding behind this veneer of nothing <laughs> because I'm just afraid to talk to people and have someone invalidate what I think rather than having an attitude of, I'm going to learn something. I'm, I'm more afraid to fail than I am to, or yeah, I'm, I'm scared of, I'm, yeah, what, I don't know what the analogy is, but yeah. I'm just more afraid of. I'm just more afraid than anything else, and it's time to not be afraid. Just talk to people. There's no commitment. I'm not marrying, not marrying any idea or committing to something. Just try something. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's not. It's absolutely not failure to no. invalidate your idea. Absolutely. That is. That's a victory. Yeah. That's like all right. Move on to the next idea, mm-hmm. or you'll identify a new idea. Yeah. Which you'll only get through talking with people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. If I, in hindsight, when I think, when I was talking with my friend, my idea was to, you know, to do, to build MVPs for people and with no code. Mm. And yeah, just with that one talk already, I identified problems with Webflow CMS. And then it's like, all right, let's, I was moving on to a new idea. <laughs> yeah. And then when I spoke to people with that, then it, it seemed like I was on to something like, mm. So the the talks were guiding the direction I was going in. Yeah. My my first idea was was horrible. Like <laughs> you know, and, and on hindsight, like what, what was I thinking? Like doing consulting like and I'd much rather be writing code than building things with no code. Mm. The idea was bad, but the methodology was good. Sure. Yeah, it's like I'm afraid to experiment. Interesting. I need to spend some time thinking about why I feel that way because that's a pretty bad place to be well bad I mean like it's gonna hold me back more than anything else um the the all of this is experimentation that's the point we have no idea what works we'll never be sure of anything yeah. mm. 
is is part of the problem that you only have one seedling of an idea and if if you invalidate it you you you'll feel like there's nothing else like yeah so i mean maybe we've talked about this a little bit before but i have a problem that i just don't understand why people buy things (laughs) like a good example is like i don't know i look back at tuple and I don't I can't remember if we talked about this in the last podcast or not, but in brief, like I look at Tuple and I do not understand it just you know, as a random example. I look at that and think, who the hell buys that? It's just like I I have never been I've never even worked at a place where pairing is a thing anyone even did or thought about doing or even discussed. Like and yeah, and I guess same. my problem is I my my worldview of things is that, you know, software companies whatever no one wants to buy developers anything because why spend a tool or already spending a bunch of money on you just go write code go write code and generate me value it's like this would make me faster too bad like i don't care like write your code and it's interesting like i have that approach with everything so when i see a a company a software company that like tuple that's succeeding it's like who what like companies actually buy stuff i don't understand this <laughs> and it, it it creates this bizarre like tug of war in my head of like who buys what and for what reason and why can't i see the things that i create as valuable enough that someone else would buy them like are they being tricked? Are they? Is are, is everybody just a used car salesman, and they're somehow like creating a sense of urgency and stuff to to sell? But like, I keep coming back to the idea that like, because even with the consulting that I did, I cold called people. I would cold email them on LinkedIn, whatever. And people like in the in the first ten people I cold emailed, two of them were like, "I'm willing to share data with you because the problem you're talking to me about is so hard." And like, I want, I spend a meaningful amount of time doing this and I want this problem fixed. And like, I feel like, cool, I stuck, I struck this chord that resonated with people. But I look at like products and things like this and I don't understand who's buying stuff. Maybe it's because I'm so cheap or like, it just feels like, <laughs> it feels like this bizarre conundrum that I can't understand. And I feel like I have a seedling of an idea. I have no idea if it's valuable. And because I have no ability to assess value, how will I ever come up with an idea that has value? Because I have no idea what value even means, really. But, I mean, there's probably 12 services you pay for now, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, like, I buy a domain, right? Like, like right. I buy clothes. I don't know, like, Spotify. There's things know. that I spend exactly. money on. Exactly. Like Netflix? Totally, or? yeah. Yeah. So, like, so, like, you know, I'm sure someone who's much cheaper than you would say, why are you wasting money on Netflix? Like, mm. it's so easy to download stuff for free. Like, mm. so easy. Like, you know, like, why would you waste 14 bucks or 16 bucks a month from Netflix? Mm. But for you, there's value in just being able to not plan ahead of downloading stuff. Like, just sit on the couch, turn on the TV, and there's a whole list of stuff I could watch. And, mm. and it's worth 16 bucks a month. Yeah. Same thing with Spotify. Like, I'd like to be able to just have stuff recommended to me, and I don't have to go and look for the MP3s on the internet. Yeah. As, you know, like, but that's true of everything. Mm. It's like, I mean, a lot of the products I built 
that people pay for it, I would never pay for myself <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a cheap bastard and, you know, I can build it myself. Why would I pay for it? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the, I mean, that's exactly how I feel about a lot of enterprise products selling to companies of developers. Developers have this high bar of like, well, I could just build this myself. So I will. And it like, I guess that's part of the problem. Like my worldview is that like developers feel empowered that they can do basically anything and they don't value their time in a way that, uh, that, that lends itself to them buying things that will save them time or taking actions that save their time. They would rather build it and own it. Yeah, but you'll always find ex examples of the opposite. It, it, right? it, yeah. You bought, yeah. you bought Tailwind UI. Yes, I did. Yeah, like why? Why you could have built it yourself? Oh. Tailwind is free. Yeah, you could have built all those components yourself. Yeah. Beautifully designed, saved me time. Drop them in the page. Yeah. It's done. Exactly. So I think I don't. Know, that, I was I was thinking more like the your fear was that you can't you you feel like you won't be able to come up with new business ideas. Well, that that I think that's a direct output of the problem that I don't understand value. Like, I feel like that because I don't understand what makes someone buy something, that I won't be able to come up with ideas. But even thinking about that, like of all the customer research I've done with Shred and everything else, like it's not about, it's not necessarily about what people pay for or don't pay for. It's about the people that you are serving right now. How do they feel about Shred? How do they feel about this process? And that dictates their perception of value. So it's like, I'm, I guess I'm kind of looking at this like, it's like gold. Like, unless I've discovered gold, this universal, universally valuable thing, oh, I could never build something because I can't build something that's as liquid as gold. And it's like, maybe that's the yeah. thing I need to stop thinking about. Like, right. it's, the, yeah. it's the people I serve that determine what has value, not what has value to the people I serve. I don't know if that makes sense. Exactly. But. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, gold is this universal store of value, but there's people that prefer buying silver jewelry or sure. they prefer, you know, whatever, mm. stainless steel. Like they, there's people will buy all different things and and you you can see in your own life all these things that you pay for that other people would never pay for. Mm. And as an indie hacker, like my idea is that I just need a product that you know just a few hundred people find value in mm. right like if the goal is to make ten thousand a month that's a that's a that's a good goal for one founder mm. like that's not a lot of customers yeah so like even if just one percent of this category of people are interested will actually spend money on to solve this problem mm. that's that's enough yeah and i guess really that's where i'm headed in my thought process i guess of I talk to people, I need to pick people that I that I want to spend time with so that I can understand their problems and deliver value for the people who who are interested in paying to have a problem fixed. And not every not everyone in that group is going to be your customer. I think yeah, that's one of the th exactly. things that I struggle with a lot. Like, well if I help developers, shouldn't I be helping all developers? And it's like, no, because not everyone is your customer. No, exactly. By by talking to people, you you're gonna identify one example of customers spending X on Y, mm. and you can provide Z, which is better than Y. Yeah, and that's it. There's your segment. Mm -hmm. I'm just laughing at myself because I don't understand why I'm having such a hard time with this mentally. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like 
it's one thing for us to like talk about it logically because I, I I agree with everything we've just talked about and like I see that I can see my feelings and I understand exactly what you're saying and I don't understand why they're not incompatible. Well, I mean, one of the things that I've realized this past year is just because you observe a feeling doesn't mean that feeling goes away. So if you're feeling anxious and you realize you're anxious, that doesn't mean that you're not anxious anymore. Like you're still anxious. You just right. realize that you are. And it's the same thing here of like, okay, I can see my hesitancy. I can feel my fear of moving into this uncertain thing. But even though we've just discussed the idea that like, yeah, but of course it's uncertain because you need to go talk to people and understand how these things fit together so that you can start eliminating that uncertainty. It's like, great. Well, the, 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 the recipe to move to work here is to take that first step forward. And that first step forward is scary. And yeah. Great, you've acknowledged it's scary, and that doesn't make it less scary. <laughs> it's totally, totally scary. Yeah, it <sighs> is. That's why so few people do it. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you participate in Founders Club. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not scary anymore, right? No. Yeah, it's easy. You, you schedule schedule time using Calendly or mm. or SavvyCal, and that's it. it yeah. The fear of firsts. Okay. I think my big takeaway from this really is I need to do some initial discovery. And whether I have an idea or not, actually, that's a great point. I think whether I have an idea or not, I need to be talking to people in my network all the time about whatever they're doing. It doesn't matter. The longer, because I'm realizing that with all of the, with all the people I interviewed around Shred, I was interviewing like five to seven people a week like i was really grinding and it just beats the fear out of you because you're doing it so often and so consistently yeah and i'm realizing that i'm becoming afraid like i i I don't know if i'm afraid to talk to people or if i'm afraid that something will be invalidated and i can't figure something out there's fear there i don't know where that fear is but nothing bad comes from talking to people and it's something i need to be spending more time doing a, a consistent commitment to I can narrow it once I have an idea or a direction to go in I can start narrowing who I speak to but I'm realizing that that's the case I mean I'm just there's there's fear in here and when there where there's fear for me there's inaction and that's what's happening right now right I mean may, maybe like scale it down to to like the first baby step yeah. you know like maybe having a conversation with a developer with absolutely no questions mm-hmm. in mind like no no seedling of an idea yeah. just just get over that fear of like scheduling something and calling yeah. and talking, you know. Totally. So that that could just be your your goal for this week, like, and next week. Then you go on vacation. Then then scale it up after that. Yeah. Like, okay, now I actually have I questions that I'm trying to get answers to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This has been helpful. I have a direction. Thanks, man. You could do this. Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> so what about you what are you going to do this week I have to get this affiliate program done okay and hopefully like yeah that's that's all we need to actually launch this thing amazing this side project cool yeah very exciting then after that I can I can move on to other things cool like I've already like I did my my review of April and I wasn't satisfied that I didn't get a lot of that stuff done And then for May, I sort of also started with this big list. But now I'm like, uh, I need to 
be hyper focused on one of them just to get it done. Yes. <laughs> and then I'll decide what the what's the next priority. Mm-hmm. It seems like in the past few months I I set too many goals for the whole month and then I'm sort of like spread out too thinly. Mm-hmm. I think I need to a book that I read a long time ago that I really liked was The One Thing. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah, like I feel like I'm sort of u- using that. I'm still using that methodology today, mm. but I feel that maybe I'm not when I'm when I'm setting goals for the month. I feel like I'm yeah, I set too many of them, and it's you know instead of deciding what I'm doing for the whole month, mm. like I should really focus on what's that one thing that needs to get done for the month. Mm. And if I get it done in a week, great. Now I can think of what's that second one thing yeah. <laughs> that needs to get done for the rest of the month. Yeah, that. It's, yeah, that was going to be my. The, that was going to be my question, like, because I know for me, like looking at a month, I'm like, I've got a whole month. I can fit. That's a huge bucket. I can put a lot of things in exactly. that bucket. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. You know, like I have all these these big goals, and then I'm always thinking, well, you know what. What's the one thing I have to do for that one year goal in the next quarter to like move forward on it? Yeah. And then what's what's the one thing I need to get done this month to reach that quarterly goal that will help me reach that yearly goal? But I think the problem is I I have multiple big goals, and then for each time period, you know, for the quarter, I'm trying to think. Well, what are the the goal for each one of those big goals? So it really it kind of multiplies. <laughs> And even when I come to my weekly goals, then I have all these, I, I set all these big goals and it feels overwhelming. I only really work on one of them. I think I need to, instead of deciding ahead of time, just because really the philosophy of the, the book, the one the one thing is, is always to be asking yourself, what's that one thing that needs to be get done now? So I, I should really do that. Yeah. I mean, I still like the idea of looking at every time frame to get an idea of like how to break down a big goal into smaller goals but i need to instead of setting a bunch of goals for the month and then at the end of the month like reevaluating whether i'm on on the right track i should really just concentrate on one goal right and when it gets done just set a new goal for the rest of the month yeah yeah that sounds totally reasonable yeah because as long as you know what the most important thing is does anything else really matter Exactly. That's it. That's like that. That's his philosophy in the, in the book. It's like if you get that one thing done, like like you 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 can pat yourself on, on the shoulder. You know, like I did it. I, I got the most important thing done, and everything else after that is just gravy. So what what is the? Do you know what the one thing is for you right now? Oh, I guess it's the it's the referral program. It's the side project. Exactly. It's that side project. Okay. So yeah. So I gotta. I have to actually do the affiliate integration and I have to also build something else on the side that that is part of the side project. But that's the the one thing that I need to be working on. That sounds great. I mean, like it sounds like you have a clear, you have a compass with a clear direction. Yeah. And yeah, just, just saying it out loud. Like if it feels so much less stressful when I'm only concentrating on one thing, Otherwise, it feels overwhelming, especially when I'm doing these these monthly reviews. Yeah, I feel I feel bad about everything that I didn't do in the last month. Yeah, and then and then I start thinking of everything that I need to get done in the next month, and it feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
the prison of shoulds. It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you don't, yeah, it's, it's not even fair to, you don't give yourself, uh, you don't give yourself, like, room to feel good about what you got done because you're too busy feeling bad about all the things that you planned to but didn't. Yeah, exactly. You got to be kind to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part, part of the review is, is celebrating what I did get done. Mm-hmm. But then it's followed by yeah. all the stuff that I didn't get done. <laughs> Maybe I should change the order. <laughs> yeah, it's just, all right, let's just feel bad for a second. Great. We grieve exactly. the things that you didn't get done. Great. Let's just set that aside and let's let's toast the good shit. Yeah, finish on a high note. Yeah. You laugh, but maybe there might be something to that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say. Okay. Yeah, me too. I need to sit quietly for a few minutes to write down some of the things we just talked about. And really, I need a couple post-it notes on my monitor to remind me of the <laughs> things that I'm avoiding. This was really good. I, this was uh, this really woke me up to something that I've been running away from that I didn't realize. Glad it could help. Yeah, no, this was awesome. All right, man. All right, well, have a great week. Yeah, you too. You too.